Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. A recent report by the U.S. Surgeon General points out the problems that kids can develop if they use excessive use of social media. Now, what is excessive is one question. What can be done about it is another. What are the, the results of all of this usage and how does this impact our children emotionally? Well, we're going to find out today. My guest is an expert in the matter. Jill Robin Payne is a psychotherapist and she's an author and she is in private practice and she's going to talk to us today about this issue. Jill, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Thanks, Shirley, for having me again. Now, um, the interesting thing about all of this is this is something that's relatively new. All the studies are within the last 10 or uh, 10 or so years about the impact and which, of course, I think has been also um, really enhanced by the COVID uh, isolation that our children suffered. But um, what I'm seeing when I'm reading the report there's an awful lot of things that need to be done to protect our children from overuse. And some of the statistics were rather startling that kids use their phones three, four hours a day. Some kids said they use it constantly, practically, uh, the social media. So put it in perspective for us. What's going on? Well, so this has been going on a long time. Sherry Turkle has been studying it for 30 or 40 years. Matter of fact, in 1984, there was something called Technostress. It was a, a book by uh, Craig Brods, and he wrote it because of the computer and us having distress working with the computer. So, And then there's something called Facebook depression, which is a phenomenon that's been going on for, uh, they, no- they noted that in uh, 2011. And so this has been up and coming. Now, right now, the Surgeon General is geared towards the social media. So not only are we doing all this screen time, that's TV, that's laptops, that's uh, cell phones, we're doing social media, which has content that could be harmful for our children. And so this is what's going on. And we need to, uh, the parents need to start modeling appropriate behavior and putting boundaries down. So it's getting a little bit out of control. Uh, The kids are using uh, their social media quite often. And surely what's happening is that's how they communicate. So then they feel guilty if they don't do it. So it's turned into a conundrum for a lot of these young kids that come see me because they really would like to use less of it. Yet if they do, they feel detached from their friends. So you this may, is where the let parents... me tell you. Let me tell you something that my husband and I witnessed uh, not mm-hmm. too long ago. Sitting outside at a restaurant, uh, at a cafe, we noticed a group of I would say early teens or or just preteen kids sitting around the table. There were four, and during the whole time that we were sitting there, and they never said a word to each other. They were all on their phones. And to me, that was absolutely appalling that they would sit there. Obviously, they set it up to share some social time. But I don't know whether they were communicating with each other when they were sitting right across the table or what was going on. But this was really fascinating and disturbing to me. Right. Because the 
differently? Well, they're practicing this, and they're also noting in some of the studies that this is possibly changing the prefrontal cortex, which is where we have impulse control and you know how teenagers have impulse control. Uh, oh, yeah. They just, right. So this is affecting them even worse, causing possibly attention deficit, uh, memory issues, uh, mood issues. And so a lot of the kids are acting out. And so it's sort of, it's, it's also changing the brain structure and it's changing our behavior. It's, it's sort of going both. What, what came first, the, uh, the, um, you know, the chicken or the egg. And so this is something that's going on. And those kids are probably talking to themselves, to each other, because they feel more comfortable looking down at a phone because they're practicing that than having eye contact. So My God, they're losing all their social, they're losing all their social skills. I mean, you, right. interacting mm-hmm. over a device is not the same as right. sitting down with your friends and sharing a conversation face to face. And my gosh, if they get out of the, lose the ability to do that with any effectiveness, that's a pretty sad thing. And I guess I'm sure that that contributes to a sense of isolation that they're not even aware of. Right. And so social anxiety is on the rise because these kids, when, when they're on the screen, they have uh, this screen that's protecting them. And so therefore they feel safe. And when they start talking to people face-to-face, they get very nervous and don't know how to act. And so therefore that increases their anxiety, which doubles the fact that they don't really want to engage in face-to-face. Now, what I've noticed is it's about a 50-50. There are some kids that are raised with uh, parents that limit their screen time and do a lot of interaction with them. They play sports with them. They have maybe meetings once a week with their kids talking about what's going on with them. And they have them in sports uh, or doing things like fishing. So they learn that they don't just get immediate gratification and you don't always win. So these are important things for parents to do and have them engaged with other kids. And so, therefore, practice makes perfect, and that's that's what needs to happen. Well, you know, you lose so much when you're using a device to communicate. You 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 lose some of the the in, uh, the tones. Well, you lose the tone of voice if you're just texting, for example. Right. You lose the right. body the body language that people are sending to you. The kind of messages that you get that the subconsciously you're probably not even aware of them, but you are getting messages from people when you're interacting with them in a physical basis and you're looking at each other and, you know, you can see expressions and everything else. The other seems like such a sterile environment in terms of the emotion of it. I mean, emojis, do they really convey what you're feeling? (laughs) I don't think so. But the other, the other concern too is the safety of the social media sites and what they're offering to kids. And some of the things that I read say that a lot of them are not safe. In some places, TikTok is being banned from workplaces and everything else. So that's an an interesting part. 
I want to pick up. We're going to take a short break. I want to pick up on that after we come back. So let's just uh, let our listeners know that they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest right here in the Federal News Network. My guest is Jill Robin Payne. She is a psychotherapist and author, and she's in private practice. Uh, we're talking about the issue of social media and kids. So, Joe, you want to pick up where we left off? Yes. Uh, we're talking about there's uh, many different things uh, on social media that kids can see that may affect them, such as predators or harassment, different things like that. And so it's very important for parents to have what are called parental control apps. One that I recommend is called Bark. It's B-A-R-K because it goes on most devices. There are, are di- each device has different types of parental controls, so parents can check that. And what these controls do, surely, is they let the, the parent have access to what the kids are looking at. It has them con- limit their time. It has them uh, only see certain things. And so this way, the parents are in control of what goes on on the Internet. Because the Internet is another world. I tell people it's sort of like space. It's another final frontier like Star Trek. We really don't know. It's It's just uh, limitless. And we don't know what's out there. There's not really any rules. And so we need to make our own rules. Well, you know... It's a good point because it's an endless continuum. I mean, it's it's a continuum of whatever. You just keep going. You can move through the internet, right. move through space or whatever. I, I like your right. analogy. Right. Um, yeah. it, it, it's interesting to me that what results from all of this, instead of it being a fun, exciting in, uh, environment, which I'm sure it is sometimes, but the, the result of this in the depression, the increased rates of suicide and especially the depression. This to me has to be concerning to parents as well as to people like yourself who deal with with, uh, mental issues. Um, What do you say to parents? You you give them an app to use. This will help them keep track of what's going on. Uh, But you know what? They may go to their friend's house and and, uh, use it and use their devices that don't have any kind of controls on them. And I bet you the kids learn how to override controls. I hate to say that, but, you know, they're sure. pretty savvy. Um, right. So the parent, it seems to me like the front line here is the parent. And then we go beyond yeah. that to the school and to the, right. the larger community. Uh, I mm-hmm. feel the parent has the responsibility here. But uh, where do you go beyond the parent? You're giving them some tools to work with. They have to, to be in contact with their kids, know what they're doing. Beyond that, right. what about the school system and letting kids bring phones? Is that something that they should not be allowed to do? So in actuality, there are some schools right now that are uh, preventing kids from having their, finally, uh, having their phones in their classroom. You know, what's so funny is way back when, Shirley, we didn't have phones in the classroom and we were okay. Uh, We didn't have phones many places. I I know when I was working for, you know, for other people, I was not allowed to be on the phone. And so now they, they made it where kids can be on the phone because, because uh, older 
kids, I'm going to say in their 20s, were having fits if they didn't have their phone. So people just need to put uh, rules down and say, you can't use your phone at this time. You can use it at lunchtime. And so we just need to be consistent, stick to it. Uh, you can give people choices. You know, if you're going to do this, then you may get this salary. Or if you're going to do this, you can't work here. Or we, we need to give them choices and be consistent and stay with the rules. And, well, not and I, I would say to parents, just make sure that you're not using the social media as a, a, a babysitter for your kids. Um, right. We're, we're, we're hearing and I'm reading that there are really young children not even preteens, I mean preteens, um, using cell phones. And some people have even proposed that there be an age limit and where you could, when I say phones, I'm talking about social media, really. Let me clarify that. Um, because phones can be an instrument for, for safety and, and all other kinds of things. But it's the social media use that is that we right. really are discussing here. So forgive me, folks, when I keep right. saying phone. Um but but it seems to me like the limitation of of this would be helpful to everybody all the way around. And I've got to believe that it affects children's learning because you mentioned that right. it can contribute to attention deficit disorder. That right. in itself is a problem with kids in school. So what are, are is right. there any correlation or any studies being done that shows how it impacts children in terms of their actual learning in school? Well, it, it you know so there's pros and cons. It's it's how you learn how you use the how device. So they are, yeah, they're using computers in school. So there's pros and cons. Uh, the the con is is that if you're using it for education purposes, it needs to be just for education purposes. What right. happened during COVID, Shirley, is a lot of the kids were on the computers, not they were on the internet while the teachers were teaching their subjects and so there needs to be some type of way where uh, they're they're blocked from doing that if they're going to be using the computers in mm -hmm. school so sure so and i can think that go ahead, go ahead. I, 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 and i can understand the the ability of using a computer in class to teach could be very constructive however it's when they right. go beyond that as you said and, and start using it as a social media tool that we get into right. real reactions uh, right. here. You see, and we need to, I, yeah, was, go ahead. I was gonna say, we need to have a balance and that's what's going on. We're not, we're not having a balance. Mm -hmm. We're being inundated with using social media or gaming. People game and they, a lot of gamers don't like to do social media, but they, they talk on discord, which is still a device. They're not talking face to face. So, which is an issue. Well, you know, one of the things, too, that the Surgeon General's report came about was that the eating disorders can result from overuse of social media, trying to live up to standards that are not realistic, um, the way you feel about your body, your self-esteem can right. be reduced. And so it all depends. And I, I love the idea of the app where um, your parents are able to check and see what their kids are seeing and doing. Um, and does yeah. that have to be in real time or is it, can you go back and check what they're doing later? So it, it depends on the app. And one thing okay. nice about, 
one thing nice about having things like that is, I don't know if you remember way back when, Shirley, I do. It was nice to blame my parents. I can't do that because my parents say I can't do it. It sort Mm. of helps the child so they don't have to take all the blunt of it because they are pressured in today's age of using social media. I was working with a young girl. She was at University of Texas. She was helping me do videos, and her leg was shaking constantly as as she's looking at her phone, helping me do videos. I said, what's going on? And she said, I've got group texts, and I need to answer them. And and we talked about it after, and Right. So they feel a need that they have to respond right away. And so they need to regulate. And I've talked about this before with with uh, people to teach kids to be able to regulate and set boundaries for themselves by letting people know they have a schedule and it's okay. They still love them. They're going to be doing this. It doesn't mean that they don't love them. And makes a lot of sense because, and then of course, there's again the parent needs to reinforce this. I'm Shirley Rooker. You're listening to Of Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. My guest today is Jill Robin Payne. She is a psychotherapist and author, and she's in private practice and she deals with a lot of these issues. And Jill, it's such a um, big topic. It's so important because. What we're looking at now is how social media is going to impact these kids who are eventually going to be the adults and hopefully running the country. So we want to make sure that their mental health is there, that they're not being influenced by some of the, especially some of these sites, the social media sites that, where, as you said, stalkers, bullying, these are problems right. that have been going for a number of years. And I suspect you're finding that they're increasing. Would that be true? Yes, they, they are increasing. And, and the problem is, is there, it's hard to find a safe place if you're out there. Once you put things out there on the Internet, I was talking to some young people that uh, had friends that had done sexting. And that is putting content wow. out to, to their loved one, <laughs> um, body parts and so forth. And the problem is then those body parts are there forever. Yep. And so... Right. And when you're young, remember, you're impulsive, you're not thinking. And so my, my thought, and I really want this to happen, is for schools to have just a, a one course on behavior, on, on how to behave. Uh, I, I go to a club and they just sent us code of conduct for the kids because the kids, this is at a nice club. They're just they don't know how to act in dining, social activities, the fitness center. And so now there is a, quote, code of conduct. And it's just we're going to need to teach kids to do that, whether it's at school with our parents, uh, pediatricians. It's uh, something that is necessary because if you don't know how to behave in public or with people, surely, how do you learn? Yeah, that's true. I mean, in school, well, how do you if work? you're acting you, out. Yeah. Yeah, how do you work? How do you accomplish anything if you don't have you those social skills? You absolutely can't. Right. And, you know, one of the things that this report stated that uh, many of the companies, tech companies, require kids to be at least 13 years old to use, the, to use it. But the report said that nearly 40% of kids between the ages of 8 and 12 use social media. Now, that scares me. 
if they want to play video games, if they want to play some harmless games and stuff, but to go onto these social sites when they are so unprepared to deal with what they may find there, this is really worrisome to me. Right. And there's something that was going on a long time ago. It's called catfishing. And so, Mm -hmm. and then there's also deep fake where uh, people are, uh, have faces and it's not really that person and they're saying different things. But catfish is very scary because there are people out there that pretend to be someone they're not and you mm-hmm. can't see them. And so that's very scary for our children. And we, we really do need to protect our children and educate them because they are smart. Seven-year-olds are very smart and you can, they know what's right and wrong and what is safe and what is not safe. And it's up to us to educate them and then help them to make their decisions and then also use those apps. The whole thing is, is so scary when you stop and think about it. Okay, so what we've got to do here, we have to have some rules. We've got to train our kids. They have to understand the risks that they're taking when they're using social media. And parents and schools, health educators, I think we're starting to make some movement in this sense. I think the Surgeon General's report was an excellent thing. They put together what a lot of us knew or suspected, and they've put it in a beautiful framework for people. So if you're interested in this as a parent, go read it. I mean, it'll kind of curl your hair if you didn't have curly hair already. So it it really is. um, It does make you worry about it, but, but they also put it in a positive light. And the things that can be done to help uh, kids and to help them navigate through wonderful technology. I'm a big fan of technology, but I'm also a big fan of putting limits on what we do. So we only got a couple of minutes of last thoughts for our listeners, Jill. Okay, just remember it's like the wild, wild west. And it was wild for a while and then it got tame. So there, there's hope and we're just, it's, we're in the learning process, Shirley. And so we just all need to work together and connect and find some commonality. Yeah. And, and the best way to do that is start at home with discussions with our kids yeah. when they're start young and talking about right. the, the things that are out there. I, I think a lot of kids probably really do have a great time on it, but the statistics that I'm seeing saying that, uh, and, and you can speak to this about the depression um, in the young yeah. people that you're seeing, what do you, what this has increased, I believe, considerably, has it not? Probably, it has because because of- it, yeah, because there's no people are ghosted and canceled, and there's no, um, there's a lack of connection, they're connecting, but not. It's, it's very interesting because when they're on there, they're connecting, there's just not enough finality, they're getting that dopamine rush. There's just no climax. And so mm-hmm. you'll find them text, 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 and uh, there just needs to be uh, a climax, and there's not. And so uh, we got to get some face-to-face along with the uh, social media, and I think we'll be okay. Well, it's I guess the, the bigger point that you're making here is everything in moderation. Let's do it. We can definitely use it. We enjoy it. Yeah. We have parameters. We set guidelines for ourselves. And our interaction and parents are going to set guidelines for their kids. So uh, that's great. Well, Jill, it's always informative. I know you have a couple of new books out. Do you want to give us the titles of those? We just got a couple, a few, few seconds here. Well, my, my newest one is Bempathy, looking through 
Children's Eyes to Simplify Communication. It is on Amazon. And I'm in the process of getting a, a, another Bempathy book out. And what they are, they're teaching kids how to banner with empathy. And they've got uh, six key elements that people need to use. And uh, I call them the six C's. So that's, that's you know, a con- beautiful way to end our program. Thank you so much, Jill <laughs> Payne. Jill Payne, psychotherapist who's been here helping us to understand the whole world of social media and the impact on our children. You've been listening to Of Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. I'm Shirley Rooker. You can reach me at Shirley at callforaction.org. Thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. <laughs>